What's good, people? Welcome back to the Mind Body Hoops podcast. This is Max. Um, just had a dope conversation. Today, we uh, have Eric Godsey join the podcast. Eric is a cognitive psychologist who helps people realize where they're at and transform into who they could be. He's a philosopher. He's a writer. He's a intellect. He's a podcaster. This guy is the man that wears many hats. But um, if you are lucky enough to hear his words or read his writing or just be in his space and follow him along on his journey, you can't help but become a better version of yourself. And that's the bottom line with Eric. Uh, He caught my eye initially right away because he resonated with me as someone who will help me become my best self. He's kind of like a human guinea pig in that he experiments on himself and does some in-depth psychoanalysis on himself so that he can help his audience and his friends and the people he loves. Um, He really does apply his principles to his own life. And so, you know, when he talks or when he writes, you can really feel his authenticity coming through. This dude has a really awesome message and awesome purpose that he's trying to spread into the world. Uh, He's real. He's dope. He's funny. And he's a hooper. So I'm really grateful that basketball gave me a bridge to connecting with a guy like Eric. He's one of those guys I listen to in the podcast world. Um, And so this conversation definitely strays away from basketball a lot. But for me and in my perspective, my page strays beyond basketball a lot in general. I think being our best selves on the court includes being our best selves off the court. And so Eric and I talk about all things, personal development, being your best self, um, learning to connect with the person you want to become through channels like meditation or journaling things. I push on the page that he's big on. We tried to talk on as well as other things that of course I'm curious I had to ask about. So this conversation is wide ranging, but there is undoubtedly a lot that anybody could take from this conversation. Uh, Eric's an inspiration to me, man. He, he connected with who his truest self was, what he really wanted out of life, and he fucking attacked it like a motherfucker, man. Like, this guy went after what he wanted, and now he's living a life that is totally in line with who he sees himself as and who he sees himself as becoming. Um, he landed a dream job while he's also keeping his brand alive personally and continuing to share his message. Um, we talk about the fact that he's just scratching the surface, man. So I'm glad I'm able to talk to Eric at this point in time and I'm able to introduce him to my audience. I hope you get hooked on him like I did and continue to follow him along his journey. So without further ado, I'll shut my mouth and, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this wide-ranging conversation that strays far beyond the game of basketball. My conversation with Eric Godsey. So, Eric, dude, stoked to be talking with you. Um, I'm trying not to fanboy out, to be honest. I, I love what you've been putting out into the world. Your message immediately like hit home with me and hit a chord. You're insanely gifted at expressing your ideas, written or spoken, like preparing for this conversation, I've div- dove much deeper into the stuff you've done, whether written or podcast wise, and it's it's only blown me away even more. So I just want to say I'm super excited about this, um, and I'm really grateful to catch you at this point in your journey because I know you've grown so much in the last few years, and you've really helped a lot of people and done some amazing work. But I really genuinely think, and I know this is like just the tip of the iceberg for you, like you're literally just getting started. So I'm grateful for this moment in time. Uh, and thanks for coming on, my man. Sure, man. This is that is probably 
the best introduction I've ever gotten on any podcast I've ever been on. It's weird being at this point in my life because like, like you said, like I'm kind of just getting started and I don't really know what it feels like to like have people know who I am. And so I am used to who I am and I don't, you know, we all don't see the things that other people see in us that they think are unique or interesting. And I'm just trying to take it in stride, stay humble, but also uh, continue to feel inadequate. So I work hard, you know? Yeah. I totally feel that. Cause that's, that's kind of what you stood out to me. You seemed like such a, or you are such a normal and authentic and like just personal dude. And you seem like you would just be one of my homies that I'd grab a beer with, but you're also have this insane message and this insane intellect that you have like this gift to spread. So it's definitely that balance of staying real and then realizing that you're obviously, like you've said, is like, you have a responsibility. You're meant for greatness. So this is all kind of part of the process. Um, I figured I'd start off by stealing one of your questions. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. If you, cause it's hard to put you in a box, man. And so to give some context to the people around, if you're in an environment where you're comfortable and I asked you who you are, what do you do? What do you say, Eric? Uh, I am a monkey obsessed with figuring out what is the most adaptive type of story a human can tell themselves. And so when people ask you, like, what do you do? <laughs> what do you say? Um, I say, I don't know. And then I tell them basically that I work at on it and they don't know what on it is. I start to explain what on it is. And I tell them that I work for Aubrey Marcus and they don't know who Aubrey Marcus is and start explaining who Aubrey Marcus is. And then I kind of say, basically, I help him write dope shit and I proof dope shit that he writes. And then I help him pick what he wants to put out on social media platforms. And my goal is eventually to start my podcast back up and I want to make courses. Like I want to make online courses that help people solve shit in their life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to be a dope ass dad one day. Oh, those are good things. And yeah, that's how I found you is definitely through the Aubrey Marcus. Like the first time I saw you, I was like, all right, this guy's dope. And then the next time your name popped up, I was like, okay, this guy's really dope. And I just dove, <laughs> dove, dove right in. So your job and on it, I guess we could start there. Like uh, I heard on one of your podcasts that you, while journaling, you kind of put your hierarchy of what you want and your ethos and things you want to accomplish and working at on it was kind of right there on the top. So how'd you end up getting your dream job of working at on it? Yeah, so Aubrey uh, made a course called Go For Your Win that he released uh, for the first time about three years ago. And the day it was launched was the day after I got fired from a job that I was good at that I shouldn't have been fired from, but that I hated and I should have been fired from. And I saw the ad for this course on Facebook, and I've not ever bought an online course before. And it just felt like, you know, man, I'm going to fucking give this a try. And a part of me knew that if I showed up in the course as best as I could, that I would have a chance to get a job at Onnit. But that wasn't why I bought it. And I completely dove into the course. I consumed the information. And I was just really active in the Facebook group that was a part of the course. And I was just sharing, you know, all the things I thought were useful. And then he had a graduation that was like an in-person event in Austin for the culmination of after like four months of the course. I went there. Uh, he recognized my name. And he uh, thanked me for my feedback in the group. And I was like, oh, shit. OK, I'm going to apply for a fucking job here. And then I applied. 
I didn't hear anything back and then I didn't get it. And I had a lot of weird things happen in my life around the time that I applied where I was like, oh my God, I'm destined to work at Onnit. I'm going to fucking do this. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't get it back and it kind of crushed me. I had to reorganize my life. But not getting the job, I started my podcast, the Meta Programming Podcast, which is now dead and I'm going to revive it under the new name of the myths that make us. I'm going to do that in a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two. But I started the podcast and then I tried to launch my own coaching business where I was like a habit change coach. I hate the term life coach, but I was going to try to help people change their habits. And then I just grind it for a year and then I applied again and I got the job because uh, he recognized my name and he basically didn't even interview me. He just hired me on the spot. And that was 11 months ago. Holy crap. That's incredible. I've had situations like that where I'm like, I am destined to get this job and it's my dream job. And then it just doesn't fall through, but it always ends up pushing me in this direction that I didn't realize it would push me in. Um, right. And so are you working with Aubrey directly? Or are you doing like, so you're working, you're doing writing. It sounds like. Yeah, I work, I work with Aubrey directly. It started with, I was responding to his customer service emails and then he started to see like the type of shit that I was saying in response to these emails. He was like, okay, we got to get you to do some more shit. And then he started making me kind of responsible for the type of content that goes out on social. Like he for sure makes all that shit, but it was my job to make sure it went where it needed to go when it needed to go. And then he slowly, like he's, he's got a good intuitive grip on how to be a leader and he would slowly like ask me for feedback on more advanced stuff. And then I'd give my feedback. He's like, okay, this motherfucker can handle this. <laughs> and like, now I'm at the point where, um, I'm kind of the, I'm overseeing the application process for his mastermind fit for service. I don't know if you know about that. Mm-hmm. And he's all, I'm also re I'm redoing go for your win, which is its own type of eerie surreal thing that, um, he's having me help remake the course that basically made my life oh my and God. I'm trying to make it better <clears throat> and I'm going to try to relaunch that in February. And so and, how, uh, how's that all feel? Is it kind of surreal having been like, uh, you know, like really, really right. into them beforehand and now literally helping work on the project that got you the job in the first place while you like realizing that your gifts are such a big part of it now? For the first three or four months, man, I, it, uh, when I get really high on an edible, I can think about how life is a simulation that's running on some computer somewhere and me getting this job, like this is the only company that I wanted to work at and getting the job and then being around the people that I used, that I used to see through the screen and admire, not really connecting to the fact that they were real people, but now they're my fucking friends. And I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do a year ago. For the first couple of months, it was kind of hard to uh, accept the gift that I was given. But now, you know, I try to stay connected to how fucking fortunate I am. But it does feel like this is my life now. And, you know, I just try to show up to work two hours early and grind and grind and grind and then leave by 530 to either work out or go to yoga. And, you know, it's dope. That's insane. And for me, I can connect with that because I have these like very like I'm entrepreneurial at heart, I feel like. And I have a similar way of I want to build this brand and this message and maybe courses one day. But having these 
these particular bubbles that I'd be like, if I were to work with someone or somewhere, it would be there. So what would you say, right. looking back, what advice would you give yourself heading back into that journey? Maybe when you didn't get in, get in, get in at first, like what was your mindset when you said you just grinded it out and started, you know, studying habit change? Where were you at mentally then? So because I had done the go for your win course, I, I used the fucking philosophy and the insight from that course when I didn't get the job. And so the core message was know your fucking purpose. Like, why are you on this planet? Why do you exist? And then cultivate your skills and face fear and resistance every fucking day. And I knew that even if I got the job, what I want to do with my life is I want to have podcasts where I can talk to the smartest people on the planet. I want to make courses that will be able to do what someone tries to do as a psychologist one-on-one, but for an unlimited number of people because of the platform. And I want to fucking read and learn everything I can about philosophy and psychology. So I just fucking did it. And I tried to face resist. Like I worked every day when I didn't have a job for a year, like I had a job. Like I worked like eight or 10 hours a day. I'd wake up, I'd do my shit. I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't party. You know, like I, I was, I was possessed slightly by fear, you know, because I was like, dude, I, I, I have X amount of time because of my money to make something happen. And I just went at it every day. But I think a technical piece of advice that I would give people is if you know you want to work for someone or somewhere, take the time to study like their website or their business or their platform and try to articulate to yourself on a piece of paper, what is their goal or what is this company's goal? And then make something for them or the company for free that you think will help them achieve their goal. And then you give it to them either in an email or in person for free. Like, do not expect to get anything for it. And then if something happens, something happens. But I think that's the best way to get in or to get a job from a individual or a company that you are interested in. And that's what I did for Aubrey. Like, with that Facebook group, I fucking gave and gave and gave. Like, uh, I probably wrote like 10 blog posts specifically for that group over some idea. I linked any... um, YouTube video or podcast that I thought would help elaborate on some core idea in the course. And then at the end of the course, I even went back through the course and collected all the quotes from the course and made a document for anyone who wanted to go back. I made a reading list for the course for anyone who wanted to go through and find that. And I just did all that shit for free, you know, and the people who were running the course recognized that saw my name and started telling Aubrey. And then when Aubrey saw my name on the application, it was like, it's motherfucking game time. I know this dude shows up, so I'm going to give him a chance. That's incredible. And so you said the first kind of part, I want to go back just a bit of the go for your win was recognize your purpose and what you want. And yours, and yours is so clear and so precise that it kind of makes making that next step a little more clear. Have you always kind of had that inside of what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, who you want to help, how you want to help them? Or was that a process you've learned through some of the techniques? I I had a vague idea, but I didn't start to hone it down until I did the Go For Your Win course. And the course inspired me to go read a bunch of books on like how to set goals. And it wasn't directly the course that helped me make it this specific, but it, it helped. It was the catalyst that got me interested because like when I get interested in something, I'll go on Amazon and I'll go buy the best five books that have ever been written on that thing by the 
primary researchers on the thing. And then I used to do this. I haven't lately because I microdose now, but I used to once a week, I'd just take Adderall and I'd read for eight hours a day. And I would just fucking devour these books, take, you know, dozens and dozens of pages of notes. But I honed in on my goal probably about two years ago after doing Go For Your Win. And my life's mission is to create the most empirically effective psychological intervention for treating depression. And I, like, I want to make, I, I basically wanted to invent a new type of psychology that can be used through courses so I don't have to sit one-on-one with someone. You know, it could scale and help 100,000 people. Oh. And that's like, I'm willing to die for that idea, you know? And that's an that, that's the that's the mission or that's the goal with anybody when you set up mission is that you're willing to die for it. I feel like, and that's kind of what I'm trying. I'm trying to still hone in on that, and that's a good segue, at least for me, into the basketball thing because I started this basketball platform. Um, one because I transitioned out. Basketball was my life, my whole life. I played up into the college year, and like you, I had an injury, and from there it kind of just like I realized, oh wait, I might not like go professional and. I stepped away from the game and kind of found different interests, but it was out of that transition that I started to kind of have this lull. And, and you've talked about when you change your goals that you can kind of lose your your identity and yourself. And so through that, I've kind of realized like, okay, there's, there's something missing here. This basketball has taught me so much, but it didn't teach me enough about how to be a human or or how to find happiness or how to deal with things like mental, mental health issues. So one, I wondered if you could talk to me a little bit about this idea of like when you have a goal, you identify your goal, and then when you switch that goal and what that can do to us. Because for me, that's something I've been passionate about. Transitioning out of the game of basketball was really hard for me um, with a self identity crisis Absolutely. and things like that. So maybe if you could touch on that. Yeah. So this is uh, probably one of the deepest ideas, period. And it's that every human has a story about who they think they are and what they think the world is. And the core piece of that story is there's a goal. Like if you look at any story, it's basically in the structure of a hero's journey. And there is a goal or something that the hero is seeking out. And every single human on this planet, in order for you to even navigate, in order for you to even want a thing, in order for you to even move your body towards a thing, you have to have goals. And there's, there's a hierarchy of goals within you that you're probably unconscious to. And this is kind of getting in the weeds, but I won't get too far, is that if you don't create a goal for yourself, you are born with biological goals to basically fuck and fight. And so if you don't create goals on top of that, those primal drives are going to rule your life and you probably won't be very successful in this culture. But anyone who has a goal beyond what their genes have programmed into them that's their hero story. And it's going to, this is a technical point and you can, anyone interested in this, I would recommend read maps of meaning by Jordan Peterson. He probably lays out the best of anyone. I know the uh, psychophysiology of having a goal and like how it, it, it actually calibrates your emotional system. So anyways, whatever your top goal is, if something happens to you where that goal then becomes impossible, like for you and me, it was, we're going to be NBA players. And then reality punches our body in the face at some point in our life. And we have to really come face to face with the fact that my highest goal, which in a psychological sense is your God, 
And that's a deeper point that might take more time to dig into, but your highest goal, it's, it's what calibrates your entire identity and all your emotions. And when that thing dies, you go into the abyss, like you have the dark night of the soul, you experience depression or a deep, deep, like emptiness. But what's amazing is that the human spirit seems to fucking be infinitely transformable. And you and I are both testaments to our God died. Our highest goal died. Our identity cracked. But, you know, you give us enough time and we found a new one. And it's, it, it hits home for me, man. So when you hit that point, I knew I had to get you to speak it because I can't put that into words as well as you do. But I, w- I wonder when I hear that, is there things we can do or habits we can put in place that we can have these goals and work towards them, but in life, you know, goals are going to change. Is there a way to kind of minimize the suffering that comes from changing goals? Or is that kind of inevitable in the process of changing goals? Like, is there, are, are there things we can do to have our foundation be a little bit stronger so that when we do pivot, that we're, we're not hitting that, that lull of depression or, you know, hopelessness or whatever it may be. Yeah. So this is a great question. There's a couple of ways to come at this. Uh, one thing I want to touch on is I would not try to minimize the amount of pain solely just to minimize the amount of pain. Because what I've recognized in my life is Whenever I have an acute experience where I come face to face with like a very powerfully non-positive emotion, my life the next six months after that always seemed to be like full of gifts and miracles and amazing opportunities because I faced something really, really, really hard. So I think as just a meta strategy for life, like, that's a story I tell myself. It's like, if I'm, if I face really tough shit, my life actually gets better. So that's one thing that I would offer. But I think to answer your question, I actually just heard Mark Manson talk about this on Aubrey's podcast it's coming out on Wednesday. So I got the sneak peek so I can drop a bomb for you guys. But, <laughs> uh, the next book he's working on, one of the main ideas is this idea of what's called a God value. And it's basically, it's your highest value. And what most of us do I am guilty of this or was is the highest goal for most of us is a concrete, like I want to achieve X, like I want X amount of money or I want this type of car or I want this business to do this. But what he was saying that the Greeks did, which I intuitively started doing this with the new pyramid I made and you can check it out on the Instagram highlight story. And it's that your highest piece of that pyramid should be a principle or a value. So like truth or love or bravery or honesty or humility. And if that's your highest goal, you can do that every day, no matter what. So you can have concrete goals below that, like run a successful business, have a family, make $10 million. But the highest goal is, is a way of being every day. So like, my highest goal is to be in love and to be in truth with my experience and with the people that I see every day. And so all my projects can fail, but I still have the chance every day to be in love and to be in truth. And so I think that minimizes that catastrophe when the highest ideal in your hierarchy of values becomes something that's unattainable. And that resonates with me, man. Like trying to, as I get older, realize that it's about the, and this is something that's all like 
in theory for me still is to enjoy the climb and the process and who I become out of it rather than like that end result. Um, so yeah, I think a great example of this is Alan Watts has a story and it's like, you know, the way people approach life, if you looked at it, like the way a musician would approach a song is people approach life. Like the thing that's important is the end and not the experience. And so if you think about a musician, if that's how a musician, a musician thought about a song, every song would only be the last note. They would just play the last note and it would be over. Mm. And when you take a step back and look at it like that, it's like, yeah, duh. Life is a motherfucking song. It's, it's here to be enjoyed as it's happening. It's here to dance to and to sing to and to move to. It's not about the end because the end it's over. You know, like no symphony is just the, smashing of the symbol at the end of the song you know it's all of the thing in between and what are some ways that you kind of remind yourself that so maybe as you were going through that process of you know grinding it out as a habit coach or as the process of you being a basketball player like what what, i know you're human too so at times it's hard to remind yourself like hey this is part of the process this pain's part of the process What what are some of the ways you do to remind yourself that So I've got, you know, because I'm utterly human, I have to have a whole bunch of tools. And here's like my top four or five favorite. One is I meditate a lot. I do Vipassana. Um, I try to do it every day. It is one of my foundations. One of them is journaling. Again, that's a motherfucking foundation. Like I just try to every day take a moment to write what's happening in my mind. I'll try to write out what I'm grateful for. A third one is I'm addicted to being in flow. So like I will set up my life in a way where I can get flow and I can get flow playing basketball. I can get flow reading, talking, podcasting. A fourth one is just to fucking be present and sweet with the people in my life that I love. Like just, just to sit down and just fucking make eye contact and really slow down and just be there for someone I care about. Uh, You know, it's like, when you bite into a peach and then it's like summertime, 2 PM, you haven't really ate that day. It's just fucking like, it's the point. And the fifth one is just fucking have orgasms, man. Just find ways to ethically have as many orgasms as you can. <laughs> sexually and non-sexually, I'm assuming you might. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, all those points are like, like my staples. So like, this isn't just another one of the reasons I connect to you so hardcore is that you push these things that, maybe I don't think are talked about as much, uh, but they are, I mean, they are talked about, but there's such staples for me. So I want to talk about them all individually if we can, but I'm going to step back yeah. and, and maybe hear about your connection to hoops and basketball. And you say it puts you in the flow state. So like what has basketball meant to you in your life? And is it still kind of a part of your life? Yeah. So um, basketball for me was kind of the first thing that I got good enough at where I felt, like, uh, like I fucking felt powerful. Like, so when you're a teenager, like I was smart and so I could feel powerful in the classroom, but there was still this inherent constriction. Like, Oh, I, you know, I can't, I can't outdo the teachers too much. Mm. And like, I wasn't good with women, you know, when I was like 14, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So I didn't feel powerful in that relationship. And, you know, I followed the rules of my family, so I didn't feel overtly powerful in that relationship. But man, like I started to get good enough at basketball where it was like no one 
could stop me from doing what I wanted to do. And it's, it, it was purely ego, but my, like, I remember this one time I was 18 and I was playing at gold's gym and like, I was playing against grown ass men who were fucking, you know, they had 80 pounds of muscle. They were just fucking meatheads and no one could stop me from doing what I wanted to do. And it was intoxicating. And like in hindsight, I can recognize all ego, but I think it's good to have an ego that works. So when life gets brutal, you can show up and not be weak. Mm. And I think basketball really connected me to my power in the only way that the culture and the family dynamic that I grew up in, that was the only um, acceptable way that I was allowed to be powerful. So that was really a key thing for me. And then also, um, you know what? If I made up other things, I'd be making it up. The core reason is it made me feel fucking powerful. And I connect with that, man. Like it, for me, basketball at a young age was something I excelled in. I excelled in a lot of sports, but basketball was like the one. And then in that, it kind of gave me a place in the family. It's like I was the basketball player. I was the, the little stud. So it gave me that sense of belonging, that sense of power, that sense of purpose. And then as I grew up and transitioned out, I had these experiences and I turned to that, you know, that switching of the goal kind of put me through this lull and I turned to things like journaling, meditation, and even a psychedelic experience to kind of transition yeah. me out of that. And I kind of looked back and I was like, holy shit, I was literally a walking ego. Um, For sure, man. <laughs> like, it's insane. But I look back and as I develop these practices of meditation and journaling, like I can't help but wonder like had I, how better I could have been had I been a little more self-aware as an athlete, a little more rounded yeah. as an athlete a little more in depth Same. of meditation. So um, is there things you wish you could tell yourself as an athlete or all the things you're learning as you go kind of things, I guess not what you wish you knew, but like little hints you would have gave yourself back then. Um, is there something that resonates with you? Yeah. See, this is a curious question because I for sure have so many things that if I could go back to my like 13 year old self and just fucking shake him and teach him, I could teach him about diet about weight training, about <laughs> stretching, about exactly. how to do drills. But like, I really thought about this. Like if I hadn't have had my shoulder ripped out of its socket when I was 17, I would likely have a child with a woman I do not know how to talk to that I'm not taking care of. And I'm still chasing some basketball dream overseas where I don't get paid much money. And I never developed my... I never humbled my ego. I maybe would have not ever have tried psychedelics because I didn't want to lose whatever job I had with whatever organization I was playing for. And the human that exists now that I think is going to do so much more good for so many more people would have not have been born because I would have been able to stay inside of my ego game of chasing, you know, like the best I could have probably have been would have been like a bench player on a European team. Yeah. And like that's same. <laughs> like that would have been the end of this life for me, or at least like who I am now, I think is of more service to a greater percentage of humanity than who I would have been if my body had stayed together and I would have been able to chase my ego dream. Yeah, no, and I, I think it's a no, not a think. Like, absolutely, 100, 100% right. that's the case. And I'm in the same way. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not so much like what we wish we could have told ourselves, but for me at least, like with my pl Mind Body Hoops platform, it's not so mm, much what, it's not so much what I wish I would have known. It's almost like 
what can you teach the kids now? Yeah. What can I teach the kids now? Having been through, having been through it and then feeling like those are the things that I was definitely in a way striving for that never I received. Is that kind of like, do you feel like, do you feel like you're gravitating towards things and teaching things that you, you lacked incredibly before? This is a great point. I just did a podcast with Corey Allen for his podcast that's going to come out soon where we talked about all the people who are online in any type of way, who are getting any type of exposure, who are offering any type of advice, they are becoming the person that they needed when they were wounded and they're offering the medicine that they needed for that wound. And so, yeah, like everything that I put out is what the 19 year old me needed when he was trying to fucking figure out what to do with his life now that his God had died and his God was his ego trying to dunk on people and shoot threes when he was really a post player, but he was not ever tall enough to be a great post player. So, you know, that motherfucker had to die. And that is what I think anyone who is genuinely sharing any type of advice online who's doing it in any type of authentic way where they're getting people's eyeballs is they became who they needed when they were in the part of their life when they were wounded that's so true and that that you you word it perfectly like everything i'm doing is more so it's not even teaching people about what i was even the best at back then like i'll I'll sprinkle on some of the basketball stuff that i was really good at back then but a lot of it's what i wish i knew or what i needed back then so and that first yeah. thing being meditation, like meditation was my 100%. meditation was my first like habit and discipline that I adopted around 19 years old that it took some time to develop. But once it did, I was like, holy shit, like this is, this is what I needed this. I wish I had this looking back. And so that was kind of that first staple. So for you, um, like how long have you been meditating and like, how was that process from not meditating into meditating? Yeah, I have been consistently meditating probably the last year. And I had been flirting with, I know I should meditate for like fucking four years. And I could never really get myself to do it. And it's the same thing with yoga. I know I should have been doing yoga for like four or five years. Yeah. And I've just gotten into it consistently like the last fucking two weeks. But I do feel like a, like a thing's clicked, a thing has clicked or shifted. What I've noticed in me is, I will, over the course of my life, I'll find a habit where some part of me knows like, oh, that's a life habit that we need to acquire. And I'll flirt with it for years. I'll try to read books. And you know, what's funny, man, is what has allowed me, at least with, at least when it came to meditation is I I read like 10 books on how to do it and why it's good to do it. But then I got the Headspace app I used that for a while and that kind of helped me get the grounding of the practice. But then I read um, like two or three books that really, really fucking, it really exposed to me that this is a core practice that I need to do the rest of my life. And I just started doing it. Like it's weird, but I just, at least for me, I will flirt with an idea for years and then I don't quite yet know what the clicking moment is, but I'll have a click moment and then I'll just start doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think because I've studied, I've studied habit change for, for the last year that it's almost like I unconsciously know what I need to do to really start to do it. And I can articulate like what the rules are for habit change, but it's like I've installed it unconsciously 
in the moment my body is ready, like, okay, we're going to pick up this habit for the rest of our motherfucking life. Let's go. And then I just start doing it. Yeah. And for me, it was, it took a couple of years. Like I would do it here and there two days in a row, five days off, two days in a row. And for me too, it wasn't until, uh, I hopped on the headspace app and I actually had to do like their free trials, like 10 days, 10 minutes that the habit actually clicked. It was like, after I forced myself to do 10 days straight, it clicked. But what can you say? I just want to hear in your, your words and your ability to articulate it. Like what have you gotten out of the meditation in this past year? And how do you think it can help wow. people go? I, I know it's, it's a huge question yeah, to tackle, yeah. but like for someone who like I'm, I'm deep yeah, into man. it and it's hard to uh, connect to it, but for someone who's kind of seen it from afar saying like, I think it could help. I know I should do it. What's that, what's that benefit of really just diving headfirst into it? Yeah. Okay. So this is, I made that sound because it's incredibly hard to, it's impossible to oversell how important it is, but I'll try to, I'll give it my best. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every single human on this planet, the foundation of their life is their experience. It's their witnessing of whatever is arising in their field of experience in every moment. The way you witness is something that you can actually hone. Like, and you can do it with and when you meditate. What you don't realize, especially if you haven't done either a deep psychedelic trip or you haven't try to meditate is that there is a thing running in your consciousness all the time where you are judging everything and you're not even aware that you're doing it, but it's happening every fucking second. You're you're judging your experience and your style of judgment. It, it, it creates a flavor of your experience all the time. And so if your mom was anxious and your dad was judgmental, you have this coagulated voice inside of you that you're not even aware of that's constantly trying to find why things are scary and why they're not as good as they could be. And that thing is just churning in the background all fucking day for 10 years. And when you start to meditate, you will realize like this is, it's only people who meditate can really connect to how insane they are because people who don't meditate think that they can go even four seconds and not have a thought. Like they think that if they just try hard that they can sit down and not have a thought. But if you start meditating, you realize I can't even go four seconds without my mind creating without my will, a thought or a judgment or a sensation or a feeling and then a judgment about the sensation and the feeling. And the more you meditate, it's like your ability to witness the insanity of your mind. And maybe insanity is the wrong word, but the storytelling function of your mind, like it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And so that stage one is you become aware of the fact that you're just weaving the story all day. But then the step beyond that, that, you know, having five grams of mushrooms really helps you connect with, but you can also connect to it if you begin to meditate. And it's that you are not, you don't have to identify with the judgments. You aren't the thoughts. You are actually this thing that is witnessing all of this. And that thing that witnesses all the thoughts and all the feelings is never actually sad 
or hurt or even happy or afraid. It's this constant, steady, like light that is invincible until your meat suit dies, but it seems to be invincible. So for people who may not have experientially felt this, it's like your conscious mind is like a person going to the movies. They're in the movie theater. They have their popcorn and their soda and they're watching a movie and they're fucking judging the movie. They either think it's bullshit or they think it's great. They're laughing they're crying. They're making fun of it. The person in the seat judging is your internal critic. It's, it's this thing that's weaving a judgment story about your experience. The screen where the movie is happening, that's your experience. That's like what's happening in the room that you're in right now or the car that you're in right now. But there's a projector in the back of the room. It has electricity flowing through it that's constantly emitting the light. And when you meditate, you can recognize that you're not just the judge. You're also the screen, but you're also the projector. And when you can connect to that experientially, like I still feel fear. I still feel anger. I still feel guilt and sadness and all that shit. But like, I, I can just connect to the fact that, okay, I'm a conscious thing inside of a meat suit that has been programmed by evolution to feel emotions in response to what it thinks are dangers or threats. And I can just sit and I'll feel my heart rate fucking start just fucking pounding. I feel my gut clench up, but I don't add more story to it. Mm. I just witness it. And so I think the two big things that I've gotten from it so far is the awareness of the storyteller and then the ability to identify with the light or consciousness or awareness that witnesses my experience. Absolutely. And for me, I didn't realize how, like, like you said, that awareness starts. So I started meditating and it was like, holy shit, I can't meditate. I, there's no way I could do this. My, I have too many thoughts. I, nobody's like me. Like everything in my world, <laughs> everything yeah. with my world, everything in my day was, was paired with like a, a dialogue, like an internal voice telling me like, this is happening. This is ha-. And then through meditation, it was that initial awareness to realize like how chaotic my mind is. But what I want people to know is that first stage of chaos of realizing like, holy step, crap, I can't stop myself from thinking is definitely like that first step into awareness. And for me, had I known that a little earlier, I think I would have had a little more help with the consistency side of it because I really did think like this just isn't for me because I can't turn my mind off. There's no turning my mind off. Um, but in that practice, I became to become aware of how chaotic my mind was. And then, like you said, like having that space to have something happen and you still get fearful or anxious or whatever, but you have that space or that choice to be like, am I going to add anything to this? Do I have to really fuel into this? And for like my basketball audience, if like a ref calls a shitty fucking call, you have, and if you have a, a nice meditation practice, you kind of have that space to be like, am I going to let this affect my mentality throughout the rest of the game? Or will I just let this pass? So for me, meditation is like literally the staple of my diet, having that space and that inter inter dialogue is just, is so crucial. I want to hop over. Yeah. To, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go on. So just two quick things for anyone listening. If you, if you play basketball, like read Phil Jackson's book about the bulls, the thing that set the, the greatest team arguably of all time, apart from all the other teams is he had these motherfuckers meditate. It's not talked about enough. Like, Phil Jackson had the greatest 
basketball team of all time, as one of their core practices, they fucking meditated. And the, the, the point of it was like people who play a sport, they really, most of them think that the sport is the most important thing in their life. And so it can really rattle them if their performance is not up to what they think it should be. But if you kind of cultivate like, dude, we are monkeys on a planet. This game is fun. Yeah. And it can pay my bills. and It can take care of my family potentially, but I am a monkey trying. If I miss this shot, like, fuck it. So what, you know, like I'm going to give it my best attempt next time. So I think that that's just a good thing for you to share with your audience as much as you can is Phil Jackson used meditation with the greatest basketball player and the greatest team ever to play. And then the other thing is there's this weird misconception about what it means to meditate. And it's not to not think like if you go in the gym and you do a rep with some weight, the rep when you meditate is the moment you realize that your thought has wandered and you bring it back to your breath. And so that completely shifts the perspective to bring to it is you actually are succeeding when you notice that your thoughts have gone away from your point of focus. Like that's actually when you just did the rep with the weight and then you non-judgmentally bring it back to your point of awareness, which for most people is the breath. So it's not to not think it's to notice when you're, when you have strayed and then to bring it back. Yeah. It's so true. It's just that awareness. I, I think I, I tend to use the not thinking as a, as a way to say like calm the chatter, but definitely it's not thinking it's choosing when to think and when to not. And yeah, Phil Jackson killed it with the bulls and I, the bulls are just, just before my era. So the Phil Jackson did it with the Lakers, my, like my team with the Kobe and Shaq era. He did the same thing. And yep. Co- Kobe's a big meditator. So it's just like, Definitely a point I try to get across is that it's an, a perf- not only is it like a going to help your life as a human, but it's a performance enhancing habit. And so 100%. people like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant are now like in the modern is like Kyrie Irving talk about how meditation is so big for them. It's just like I try to use that as a way to channel it into people's lives. Um, Absolutely. Let's hop over to journaling, man. Dude, journaling. I've never really seen someone push journaling as hard as you do. And <laughs> <laughs> for me, dude, journaling is like, another thing where I'm like, holy crap, these, this is what's going on in my mind. So for me, I just literally sit down. It started with like writing down my goals, but I couldn't stick with that for very long. So I started just writing and writing and writing and, uh, and it ended up just word vomiting onto pages. So how have you developed your, your journaling process and how do you think it can benefit a human and a basketball player or anybody trying to perform at their best? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm fucking big on it because my core, like one of the core things I'm trying to connect people to is that ultimately when you get to a certain point in your self-development, you just need a relationship with your soul or your inner, whatever you want to call it. And that thing will guide you through almost any question that, that can't be answered by Google. So Google can help you answer like how far away is X from Y. But when it comes to how should I talk to my mom about this situation, that's not a Googleable answer. That's a fucking journal and talk to your soul answer. And so, okay, the first piece of this is there's a body of literature in psychology over what's called expressive writing. And basically what they have found, they've done over a hundred studies and they find that when you write basically in a stream of consciousness way, 
specifically about things that you're afraid to articulate out loud. Like every single person listening to this right now has a fucking plethora of things that they're ashamed or afraid or guilty to say out loud, either to anyone or to one specific person. And if you journal in an expressive writing type of way, which just means no censoring, just being as honest as you can, you're processing stuff in your psyche. A metaphor to use is like every single thing in your mind that you haven't solved that keeps coming up in your mind, like if a conversation with a friend keeps coming up or a memory from four years ago keeps coming up, a really good marker is that when you're going to bed at night, if stuff from your past constantly pops up, you have open windows on the desktop of your mind. And if you write about it with the goal of understanding it in the context of a story, for whatever reason, the brain wants to understand it as a story with a beginning and an end. And if you can do that through writing, it's like your brain closes that browser on your window or on your mind. And like, if you have trouble sleeping, that's going to affect every part of your athletic performance. One of the best ways to really deal with that is to write. It's not to take sleeping pills. It's not to fucking stay up all night and watch Netflix in your bed until you pass out with the TV on and the light on. Those aren't helping you. Writing is. And then to kind of shift away from that, I have this weird idea that the human I could be, like my highest potential is my God. It's the thing that I sacrifice who I am to. It's the thing that judges me because on some level, who I could be is in my mind right now watching me. And that thing, I tell myself the story, wants to help me become him because he wants to be in the world. And so he's going to talk to me through my intuition. Mm -hmm. And so when I journal, I believe that I have this almost godlike entity who is my fucking ally who wants to help me solve my problems. And I talk to him. And because I, because I tell myself the story that he already knows my bullshit, I can just be honest. And so like if I have something going on in a relationship or something going on at work or something going on with how I think about myself, I will just be honest on the page. And there's a weird thing that happens, man, is, and you can get this from praying too. Like I'm not religious in any type of way that connects to any specific religion, mm -hmm. but prayer is magic. And what I mean by that is anyone listening, if you get on your knees tonight, when you're about to go to bed and you genuinely ask what is the one thing that I know I need to do tomorrow that I've been avoiding the last week, you will instant, like within a second, your brain will give you a thing. And it's like, if you, if you're brave enough and humble enough to, to want to know and to listen, we have this thing inside of us that wants to help us. And I think journaling is the most, it's the most consistent way I have found to connect to that thing. And I truly think that the success that I've had in my life the last year and a half has been basically my ability to hear that thing and then to do what that thing asks. And so that's why I'm so big on journaling. I love that you connected it to like that higher self or that version of that person you could be, because that's something I feel like it's taught me is like, I'm like, holy shit, who is coming through this pen right now? It's like, 
unleashing so much things that I knew were there kind of, but I didn't want to put light on. And then the prayer too, like I have a, I'm not religious at all in, in the same way, but I have a friend that says he prays in the car. And so I tried this thing where if I'm driving and if, if I need to just let some shit out and I don't have the, the space to journal, I'll just ask or, you know, just speak in this like weird, like, mental just releasing verbiage type of way it's insane of the the type of shit that comes through and for me looking back I definitely had this sense of like okay I know who I want to be and I can almost feel myself not doing what I need to be did you ever have like this is a selfish question did you ever have these instances of like because you have such high expectations for yourself did you ever have trouble with like your self-talk and like making sure you were kind to yourself in those times where you know you weren't doing what you needed to do um, like making steps, but maybe being like, you could be doing more, you could be doing more. Did you ever struggle with the fact that you just were never doing enough? I have a weird, so my internal talk, at least the last like two years, I've really honed it down and it's more so like, okay. My internal talk is not ever really mean to myself because I have such a huge fucking ego. Like I had such a big ego as a kid mm-hmm. that my internal talk is actually fear that something might that bad things might happen to me. Mm. And so my my constant stance is I have to talk to myself to get myself to do things. So my big thing is fear. My big thing is not like I mean to myself. Basically, one way to think about aggression is that if you don't feel like you have a way to hone it or to harness it outside of yourself you produce it inward and you're aggressive to yourself. Mm. I don't have that issue. My aggression is focused every day in my writing and my reading. Like I really kind of think of reading, like I'm hunting, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a fucking hunter and I'm trying to find the deer to bring back to my, you know, village. Mm -hmm. And so I bring an aggressive energy to the way I do my, to my intellectual work. So I don't really have it internally. My big thing is trying to get my scared, weak, neurotic ass to actually do shit. Um, But what I would offer to people who have that internal aggression, because really what it is, is it's aggression. You're you're fucking being um, violent to yourself. Is I would offer like find skills that allow you to let your aggression out in a way that you're comfortable with outside of yourself. Because like, Joe Rogan is a good example of this. He, he has a tendency, it seems, to want to be violent to himself internally. So what he does, he fucking works his ass to the bone. Like he'll fucking, he, you know, he says he's conquering his inner bitch. So a really practical thing is to drill and train until that thing just kind of gets quiet. But also recognize that if you're doing that to yourself, that's probably mom or dad's voice. And that's something that you're going to need to face because it's not healthy fuel. It's something that's going to be like, here's a great example. Give that voice a name. You, you could call it Aries or you could call it fire or you could call it whatever weird name you want to give it. And then talk to it in your journal, like write out his name, Aries, and then say what Aries is saying to you. Like, Uh, I fucking hate how weak you are and how you don't stay focused. And then you can respond to Aries and say, I hear you. And I too want to, you know, be in focus, but the way that you are doing this is not helpful. 
like the way to think about this is from a psychological standpoint, we are disintegrated humans. And so we have like dozens of types of us inside of our mind. And the way that I think about it is like, it's like a kingdom and there's a whole bunch of people in the king's court. And you want to identify all the types of people in your psychic court. You, you want to give them names, but you want to be the motherfucking king. So hear what they have to say and then find compromises. Don't just try to ignore them and don't let them run the fucking kingdom. You know, yeah. look at them in the eye. A, a quote that I love is one of my favorite quotes, man. And it's what the lady of the lake said to King Arthur. And she said, the difference between a man and a king is that a king doesn't look away. So if you've got dark parts of your psyche that are trying to say shit or trying to control shit, as the king part of you, look at it, address it, talk to it, and find a compromise. That I, I genuinely appreciate that advice, man. Like naming it, journaling it, that's such a good way to handle, I think, any negative self-talk aspect of any of us is to put a label on it, name it, and then attack it with journaling. And and the journaling, again, can just be such a, a versatile exercise. So for me, it started with writing down like goals and just letting that become free flow consciousness writing. What do you think is the best way for someone to get introduced to writing? Like, do they write about their days? Is there any, any advice you give to someone when they first start out to say, Hey, here's what you should do with a pen and paper. Or do you kind of just leave it open? Yeah. So a thing I want to touch on before uh, I get into that is totally, I would offer, don't think about it as attacking it. Understand that it's some type of adaptation that your psyche learned when you were a kid to protect yourself. And so from a psychological standpoint, what you want to do is to be able to see it and hug it, but then tell it no. So I, it's, it's, it is subtle, but I think it's important because like how we think about things, mm. it reflects the type of dreams we have. And there's a thing in Jungian psychology called a shadow dream where it's basically you fighting, you know, some other entity in the dream, but it's actually a representation of a piece of yourself. But the way that you, when people cure a part of their problem, they then have dreams where instead of them fighting this character over and over again, they actually hug the character or they kiss the character or they, you know, they somehow breach an alliance with the character and the character turns into like a child or turns into a small animal, mm. which represents like, this was a function of you that has not been taken care of. So that's a side thing that I would offer. Dude, but well, first of all, that's like, I needed to hear that because for me, there's certain habits in my life and just certain traits that I've felt like, okay, if I could just conquer this and fight this and get over this, then I could be, you know, I feel like I'm moving towards my full potential, but I still feel like there's these little hindrances. And so it's definitely had that mentality of like, I need to kill this thing. I need to, not, that is not a part of me. Like I need to kill it. And so what you're saying definitely hits home. And you're basically saying that that is a part of me that just needs more light. And I need to treat it with like compassion and love and like fully understand it before I can get through it. Yeah. Cause a piece, whatever that thing is, is a thing that you learned at some point in your childhood that was trying to protect you from pain, like period. Like whatever the habit is, it was a coping mechanism that you learned on some part of your path to help you either not feel pain or to find pleasure. Mm. And it's just that simple, but it's, it's like a crude one-eyed creature. Like it was helpful when you weren't a king, but now a part of you has that king energy and it can help 
reshape it. Mm, absolutely. And so what you recommend for me and for anybody who has something similar is to, to journal and get clear about it, show compassion to it, but then draw the line with it. Absolutely. And where I got this skill from is a book called King, Magician, Warrior, Lover. I would recommend that to everyone, especially if you're a dude. This book is written in a Jungian perspective about the four major archetypes in every man's psyche. I do think it's helpful for anyone who reads it, but specifically if you're a dude, this is a really great book to kind of understand what's going on in your mind. Mm. But to answer the journaling question, what I would offer, so ideally I would like to make a course one day that answers this question because I keep getting this question. I, I don't know how to answer it in you know, a minute. Yeah. And the best advice that I would give is get the book the artist's way and then genuinely do it like you're trying to create a bridge to your God. Mm. Yeah, I just ordered the artist way because I've heard you talk about it on multiple occasions. So I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm just stoked to read it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's. Uh, I think I've heard it from other like uh, authors and refer back to it. it's that morning pages of just like kind of unloading your brain to start and getting clear. Yeah, on it's it. like first thing in the morning, three pages. Write. Don't censor anything. Don't stop. Don't judge. Just fucking let it out, and do it every day. Like I, I. I really think the reason it changed my life is I fucking did it every day. I don't even understand why I was doing it. Like it was such a big deal, but I fucking was doing it every day for like three months. And then what I did, and I think this is super important and I don't think she talks about it in the book is that after I did it for 12 weeks, I went to the library, got a bunch of coffee and then I reread all of it. And I got to see how I tell my story of my life to myself. And it was before I started to meditate, but it just made it so viscerally clear, like, holy shit, I'm, I'm telling myself a story about life every day. Mm. And I, I saw the pieces where like, okay, I want to change the way I tell it here. I want to keep doing this. And it just, it, it made me sweeter and softer to myself. I love that. So dude, I'll let you go in a second. Last question. Uh, I'm stoked about this podcasting process. It's bringing me closer to like insanely cool people like you. You did a podcast for a while. I know you want to restart and I'm really stoked about that. I was going to ask about that. Um, what, how did you grow personally, honestly, from recording like 70 podcasts? Because I feel like just the process of podcasting itself and having these conversations are so insane. So um, that's the final thing I want to ask personally is like, how did you grow through the process of recording 70 plus podcasts and doing these guest podcasts as well? Yeah, man, I think it is the most important self-development tool I've ever engaged in is actually starting and running a podcast. I, wow, my ability to have a conversation with anyone, it's like, it's one of my best gifts and it's not something I had before, but I literally can anyone who wants to talk to me, like if they fucking don't want to speak, I can't force them. But anyone who wants to talk to me, like even if it's a super beautiful woman, like I used to have, you know, I used to get nervous, but I, I now know how to have a conversation with anyone and I can just take on the role of asking genuine questions about what I'm interested in. And also people, you know, it's so weird, man, but people give me compliments on my ability to articulate stuff. But I had a stutter and I still have a stutter, but from doing the podcast, I've, I've kind of learned my cadence for talking. Wow. Like, dude, 
I can sense when I'm about to stutter and I kind of slow down my talking and I take a pause and it's happened like 20 times just in this podcast. Like, <laughs> no but it's way. something that I've just, yeah, it's something that I've just learned to feel and podcasting has been a huge part of that. Like I used to be really afraid to speak in front of people, but since doing the podcast, like it's crazy, but like 200,000 people heard me talk to Aubrey. And if I had done that in person, I would have probably passed out. <laughs> but because I've been doing the podcasting thing for so long, I can just show up and talk. And dude, like, dude, I, I Aubrey asking me to be on the podcast. Uh, if I didn't have this previous confidence, like, it could have been a fucking shit show, man. Could have been a shit show where I was just nervous and stammering and didn't know like how to have something ready to also be present and. It's it's been a true, true, true blessing for me to do the podcast, dude. It's been uh, it's awesome to hear that because I'm huge about like the like for me basketball taught me that just repetition is what helps build that confidence. So for you saying you had a stutter, dude, like it's almost I still do, yeah. It's almost unbelievable to hear for me because <laughs> you're like a wizard with words. You and Aubrey are alike in that way that you can just literate ideas so well. And for me, like too. I've, I've always came from this sense of like not loving the way my voice sounds or feeling like I wasn't the best at articulating ideas, but definitely feeling like the podcast was such a good way to hone in on that skill and, and perfect that skill. So dude, I really, 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 I'll let you go, but I really, really, really appreciate you giving me the chance to talk to you and ask questions. I'm genuinely curious about, I tried to bridge the gap between like, I know my audience is new to a lot of these, <laughs> new to these things while I'm on yeah. the other hand, like so <laughs> balls deep on everything you talk about. So I hope it did an okay job of following my curiosity and then trying to give value to people listening. So dude, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I've done a lot of podcasts and you have a genuine skill at being interested and asking good questions and you know just keep fucking doing it dude dude that means a lot to me i appreciate you and that's it thanks again to eric for hopping on the podcast and thanks for all you guys who listen this episode was a little longer than usual but uh when i have guests i'll probably run a little longer if you could do me one favor if you like my podcast at all please leave me five stars on the apple itunes app um your stars will take you two seconds and it would help me a lot it would give me some legitimacy in the podcast world to have some more ratings and some more stars and it will help me get on some more cool guests so if you like my podcast at all that'd be a big favor you could do for me and it would take two seconds so that's it i appreciate you guys always tons of love thanks for supporting and until next time i'll talk to you later Thank you.